Hey guys, Jack here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, sorry for the delay since the last episode. Uh, it's just me now, so you know when I get busy battling regs, battling illnesses and such, it can take me a second to get you guys the next episode of Just Hands, but I'm going to do my best to get you these on a more regular basis going forward. Uh, we have a fantastic episode today, uh, part two of Sulfur Why For You. This is featuring the fantastic Christian Soto. A reminder that if you are enjoying SoftwareY for you, I highly recommend you check out SoftwareY TV. SoftwareY TV is a subscription sharing site featuring content from the SoftwareY team, Matt Berkey, Jordan Young, Christian Soto, Matt Hunt, myself. Um, really proud of what's going on there. You'll hear about some of the content in this episode, in our last episode. And yeah, I highly recommend you check that out. We have a link to that in the show notes. And yes, thank you guys so much for tuning in and enjoy this week's episode. All right, we are here at Solve for Why for You, part 303, joined by the fantastic Christian Soto. What's going on? We're lit right now. That we are. <laughs> I am hyped doing the podcast with Mr. Jackson. Yeah, have you ever, no, this is, uh, this is the first time. You guys don't remember, but a long time ago. No, I do remember. No, long time ago. I remember I took a break from playing from playing at in Atlantic City, and I went to do a podcast for Just Hands Poker in the parking lot of Brigada, and I took a break just to do it, and then they didn't even use it. I felt so disrespected. <laughs> you were too mean. I don't know. You guys sucked. <laughs> like we wanted to do. You guys were not good at poker yet. Now you guys are really good. But in other words, you guys told me. That I was undermining your authority, so so they couldn't use the podcast. Well, we'll see if this makes it onto the show. I think uh, this one will be okay. I think we're on the same wavelength now. I'm glad we're partners and I, I'm, we're not undermining each other's authority. Fun memories. All right. <laughs> I mean, you can edit that out if you want. I just thought it was a funny story. <laughs> no, I probably will, and it is a funny story. Yeah, it's not. It's not that we. Well, never mind. It's not worth revisiting that. No, say it. It's funny now. It's 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 years later. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Basically, like the problem was that you just kept. I can't even remember like what the problem was on the flop, but you just kept lamenting like a flop mistake throughout the whole hand. And so yeah, it's just like kind of hard to listen to. Yeah, yeah. It's probably my fault. I was probably too aggro. It was both our. I mean, like I bushed the hand, and then you like just ripped into it in a way that. The podcast was too new. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, it's like you guys are trying to establish yourselves and like now you're getting ripped in the hands pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, we definitely put out a lot of our own mistakes early on, which was fine. Um, yeah, that's good. Plus, I was 21 and had been playing live poker for like three months. So That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, it was <laughs> like, of course. But like, I didn't want to say that on the podcast. Yeah. Nah, that was a little secret of yours. Yeah, we don't talk about our age here. Yeah, we're all 21. Just talk about taking taking the money. We all got fake IDs. What are we getting into? I'm hyped about this podcast. Tell us like what you're getting into on the site. There hasn't right. been that much chin content yet. Yeah, so Software Y TV, probably a long time in the making. Some of my stuff, I think, will, will kind of like go back and forth. Uh, the first series I started with was kind of like and this is probably something you'll enjoy is like a series that involves like terms that we use in poker but kind of like in action 
right? So a lot of the things that we say is like, oh, you know, he's merged here. And it's like, I don't think people really understand what that means or what that necessarily implies in terms of like, how's that, how's that range construct, constructed? What kind of bet sizing is going to a merged range, et cetera? How do you combat that? So I feel like a lot of times, especially like Software Y uses these terms in like kind of a loose, loosey way. And it's like, and definitely me for sure. So I thought it was important for us to, you know, begin a series that has like the terms, but like, you know, in action, like, and, and helping people identify what, you know, what the correct way to use it, but also the way, the correct way to like identify and use it in action. Then after that, I'm doing a podcast with Matt Berkey that involves kind of reviewing people's play and a lot of his our play. So it's we have a series called Poker Out Loud that involves us six, including you, Jack, you know, playing poker, but like in such a way that, you know, we're kind of openly talking about our thoughts out loud, every decision and other people can't hear it. And I think it makes for a really good series. But of course, you know, we're all going to make mistakes. So we kind of have a podcast discussing you know, the people, the person's thoughts, but also, you know, where things may have gone, you know, awry. Right. Yeah. I think the terms of service video is pretty awesome. A lot of people have heard some of that terminology slip onto the podcast or onto this podcast, maybe are a little bit confused. And also those terms are so loaded because a lot of times, I mean, they, they have maybe like a definition. I mean, they definitely have a definition, but in conversation, a lot of times they're just loaded with like a lot of strategy implications that go unsaid. So yeah, just totally unpacking this stuff, I think. Yeah, of course. Even just the little piece that I just said, like, oh, he's merged here. It's like, well, that's a lot in one little sentence, right? It's like that's implying a certain range, a certain bet size, a certain profile, and a certain board potentially. So it's like all that in just that one little word can get lost, and especially if you're talking about a counter to that, right? So now we're talking about, oh, how are we going to combat this merged range? It's like, well, now you need to already know what a merged range is and all those implications, as well as, like, how do you combat that? And, that, and you know, it, it's tough, man. Poker has gotten so, like, dissected now, you know? Before, for me, it was just like, yo, fuck these guys. Like, like I don't, I don't know. He's betting too much here. I raised. That's it. That's as much as, I, as, as it went. So now it's he's merged. I raised. Now it's like he's merged. He has this range. This is his profile. This is the board. We got to combat with these hands. We're representing this, and you know, like you know, it's it's good. It's it's the evolution of the game and the evolution of our own skill set. But at the same time, you know, I kind of want to bring some of that hood back. Like it's kind of fun. It was more fun back then. Well, this hand might bring you back to some of those. Uh... Some of those early days, this comes from Parks 2-5. I know you were mostly like a Borgata guy. I played, a lot, I played a decent amount of Parks, though, coming up. Like, when I played, I played a decent amount of, of Parks. Not, not as much as like Borgata and, um, and Sands, but I played some Parks. So uh, they know who I am there. Oh, they do? Well. How, how, yeah, they do, they do. I hope they do, at least. They may have forgotten by now. Yeah, I'm probably washed up. Well, you just you just final table a tournament there, so I guess they remember. The, 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 yeah, they, they got a little bit of a of a glimpse back into the old school 
old school streets where I used to play there. How's the, uh, I love I love the place. Like uh, Parks is like they have a really nice staff. I would say like their staff is like probably some of the best. And, and they got a new room, and it's all it's all great. I, I it's one of my favorite places to play for sure. Yeah, I've played there a lot. Going back, there is a rumor though. There is a rumor that like Parks Two Five is considered like one of the toughest two fives in the country. Which is really weird because Sands 2.5 is considered one of the softest. And, you know, they're like an hour apart. So well, that's, uh, that's interesting. Who's can, I don't know who's considering Parks 2.5 to be the toughest. I don't know. I've heard it a couple times. I mean, I'll, I think they meant like outside of Vegas. Like, like Because obviously Vegas, oh. Vegas 2.5, like Aria is considered probably really tough. But outside of that, I think Parks... And I've heard it from multiple people, so maybe it's just like a rumor that now became true. Um, I think people just don't know how to like beat games that are like a little bit tighter. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, I don't know. I like playing at parks and in Vegas since I can. You can play a lot of hands. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think. Yeah, that's probably the thing. Like people are just used to, you know, especially East Coast is like splashy games where like the way to beat them is just literally just like wait for good hands and. Like, just wait for good hands and three bet, and they won't fold, and then just like start betting, you know. So it becomes a little bit different when people are like kind of trying, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can't compare to like, I never played 500 cap Borgata 2.5. I hated it. I literally skipped it. I, <laughs> I skipped it and went to 510. I don't know how I did it, but like I just took a really short roll and said, "I'm going to 510. I can't, I can't breathe with this 500 cap and like five dollars an hour, five dollars a half hour, which like doesn't seem like a lot, but like when you only have 500 bucks and they're taking ten dollars an hour already, plus the tips that you give for whatever hand you win, that's it adds up, man. It was tough. It was it was annoying. It's like I think really it's less tight. Than what you were what you should actually be paying. Maybe. Maybe it is less. I'm not sure. It just I've done some like calculations on that. Like, if you're winning more than your fair share of pots, you're probably paying, like, somewhere around 2.2 max rakes per hour. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure, like, it was fair. I just think that it just felt like a lot when you... Yeah. Yeah, it just feels like you're losing a big blind every half hour, and you can't play any hands because everyone's short. And so are you. So it's like... It was it was a pretty grueling uh, game. However, though, what like when you start like it was one of those games where, and this is like a throwback game now because it doesn't exist. Like now it's a thousand cap. But when you actually got onto some chips, it almost feels like you were like like unbeatable because you're sitting (laughs) you're sitting with like thirteen hundred and everyone else is sitting with like four hundred bucks and it's like they're playing for stacks every time like all you have to do is bet twice and they have to fold unless they don't unless they got the top you know so it was like once you got onto some chips it was just like great but it was just hard you know it's hard to always get on chips yeah it's funny i was i used to hate playing 500 cap 2.5 i still don't prefer it but I was just hanging with my friend Mark uh, in Boston, and yeah. he likes to play at this room called Chasers in New Hampshire. Okay. And the biggest game they have is five hundred cap two five. And I found that I like I just have a better attitude about the whole thing now. 
more experience, like more money. And now it's just kind of fun because it's just like you're just all in so much. Yeah. And it's just it's a good time. And, and the reason the reason was that the five ten cap initially at Borgata was fifteen hundred dollars. Oh right. Yeah. So because of that, if they made the five the two five cap a thousand, a lot of people are just like not gonna play five ten. They're just gonna move down because it's just more profitable almost. So, you know, to segregate the games and to keep the economy moving, they just had to keep, you know, both caps low. Uh, and now what they did is they just moved both caps up. I think the, I think the cap now at 510 is like either 2K or, or 25 or something like that. But yeah, I think that, that was the main reason. But it's a new age now. The games are yeah. deeper, you know? I actually think it's, it's pretty healthy for the overall economy to keep 2.5 games at like a 500 cap. I wow. think so too. Oh, for sure. It's way better. It's way better. It's just worse for pros. That's the only. It's worse only for two worse five for pros. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's only worse for pros. It's only like, worse for two five. I used to like playing at the Isle in Florida a lot because they had a 500 cap two five. And so there was always like a really good 510 game. And now they, they changed it to 1000 cap two five. And it's still the same player pool, like, you know, the nittiest of all retirees. And the 510 is basically gone. They still run like PLO Hold'em round by round there sometimes, which I, I actually think that is in some ways the, the best form of live poker since you have those games playing off each other. Well, what was the game again? 510 PLO Hold'em round by round. Oh, round round. Okay, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. We, we call those like, I guess like here, they, we call it rotation, right? Like in, right. in New York, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Rotation is good. The problem with rotation is that it's like no one wants to play no limit anymore. You know, like after after you play a round of PLO, it's like no one wants to play no limit. So a lot of the times, like in the underground games that I used to play here, we used to play rotation, and it was like, I mean, let's just play PLO, man. Like it's just like no one's gonna play pots during during you know no limit. It's just hard to find pots being played. You know. Where, like, at PLO, it's just, like, everybody's in the pot, and it's just way yeah. more action. That's fair. I think, you know, at a casino where it's a little bit harder to just, like, overturn the format, I actually think that people appreciate the No Limit round a little bit. It's sort of like a breath fish. Oh, yeah, probably. It, it yeah, moves. Yeah, probably. It honestly probably takes about a third of the time is the PLO round. Oh, so, yeah. The PLO takes longer, for sure, because people are seeing turns and rivers all the time, and, you know, yeah. it's a more complicated game. I really can't stand sure. playing just PLO for that reason. Like, it's just so slow. Well, I don't think PLO should be allowed to be played nine-handed. I think it's a game yeah. that, like, max, max is seven. It's just too it's too crazy. Like, it, I mean, PLO nine-handed is just, like, you should just be, like, super tight. At least, I don't know. I don't know enough about PLO, but I know that, like, I don't have fun playing it when it's nine-handed. So Yeah, I agree. Let's get into this hand. So we, we kind of talked about this hand. Who, wait, wait, before it, like, whose hand is this? Like, like, is this, like, I want to know, like, some backstory of this person's hand. Like, like, where does he come from? Like, how, like, how old is he? Like, like, who is this person? We'll get like, some. You don't got to tell me his name. You just got to tell me some of his characteristics. We'll get some of that. There's a, I've got like five paragraphs here. I'm not, no, sorry. I don't even know if we'll be able to get through all this. This nah, guy wrote, this guy wrote us like 10 paragraphs about the, the people in this hand. God damn. <laughs> I was saying while Matt was on, like, we've in the past rewarded people who write us in like a longer description. 
And yeah. I think it's just gotten out of, gotten out of hand. <laughs> now um, they're just like, <laughs> now they're just going with every little detail. Yeah. Okay. We haven't even done a listener hand in like four months. So <laughs> it's, they've right. just been sitting here. Anyway, it's good to get some of these on the air. And we will, I will read what you wrote for Chin's pleasure. Okay. All right. Sounds good. All right. There are two villains in this hand. The first is Under the Gun 1. He's a late 20s, early 30s, somewhat nerdy-looking guy. He doesn't appear to be... Somewhat nerdy-looking guy? (laughs) I like this guy. (laughs) He does not appear to be a pro or reg. He's somewhat tight, not playing many hands, but he appears to understand position pretty well. He's quite straightforward, especially multi-way pots, and seems reluctant to see bet without a good hand. Okay, this guy's trying really hard. Like, that's, that's his profile for me. Like, this guy, like, like he's trying to be good at poker. Like, he just doesn't get it yet, but he's trying. That's, that's, my, that's my assessment. I, I like that. After checking the flop, he'll generally fold by the river. That's a, that's a powerful observation to make, if it's true. Yeah, because he doesn't, doesn't want to make a bad call. Like, yeah. he's just, you know, he, he wants to play good. I know. That's such an amazing tendency from the field. It's like they call yeah. because that's how you play good, and then they fold because that's how you play good. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay. In a hand shortly before this one, the villain was in a three-way pot in which the player to my left shoved nines on a super wet flop of three middle connected cards, something like 865 rainbow. The villain called with ace- okay. aces and another player tank called with queens. Putting aside those flop decisions, I was astonished they did not get all in pre-flop. And then more astonished nobody had a set straight or even a draw. Uh, he has a really big stack due almost entirely to this hand. Okay. Okay. The second villain is on the button. And the guy checked aces on that board? Or we don't know? We don't know. Okay. We can maybe figure it out, but I don't know. Yeah, okay. Okay. The second villain is on the button. He's a 40-something black man with a a wine-themed hoodie. It said... I don't even know how to necessarily pronounce this. Hopefully it's like some French. Yeah, it is. Valera wine. It's like bone thugs. Bone thugs? No. B e a u n e. Oh, okay. I thought it was. I thought you said bone thugs. That's a rap group. No, it's not that. Maybe it's like a plan that. Who who knows? Okay. Um, All right. So he has some sort of like funny shirt, funny funny, funny wine shirt. Okay. He's white Bose headphones around his neck, and trendy glasses. Okay, this guy's another tryhard. All right. <laughs> Close to the beginning of the session, I thought he was decent, but not great. Reg. So I thought he made a few questionable plays. He was caught bluffing where I thought it was obvious by his bet sizing, but may have been mistaken. But by this hand, I had changed my mind. He was clearly one of the best players at the table, if not the best. I'm still not sure if he was a pro, but I wouldn't be surprised. Not to mention he was extre- running extremely well after losing his first buy-in. I lost huge pots to him several times, starting with this hand. So let's call him the arch villain. To be clear, he was super nice, and I have a lot of respect for his game. Dude just took my money repeatedly is all. Sounds fun. All so, right, let's do it. All right. We kind of get the idea. Yeah, there are two tryhards. One is a little bit less experienced, and the other one's a little bit more experienced. Okay, let's go. The hero me. Oh, yeah, that's what I need. He's a late 20s guy with glasses and a beard, wearing jeans and a plaid shirt. (laughs) He's probably white. (laughs) Oh, God. We get, like... Everyone just wants to include race in their descriptions. I normally don't. (laughs) I mean, it's kind of... I mean, in fairness, you know, I guess it's a little important in poker. Like... I mean, I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm Spanish, so I guess I could say, it. like, Spanish people usually aren't that good at poker. Uh, and then, like, you know, I think 
Indian players are usually like really polarizing. They're either like really good or like really bad. And then there's like, you know, Asians that are known for like gambling it up and you know, white people are like the majority of the poker community, so like, you know, they're going to come in all different forms and you know, whatever. So, I think it's like a little important. I wouldn't base everything on it, but I guess, you know, it's whatever. Like it's fine. I think it's okay. Yeah, I think it may be curious. Like, I'm Spanish, so no one can call me racist anyway. So It might be like 10% is important, is age is important. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Age is important. Uh, age is important. Although that's becoming, that's becoming like... There's less, a wider yeah. range of like ages that are kind of... Are getting better, yeah. to be good, you know. For sure. Like, I, I would, like now, like, 40-somethings are like not awful. Yeah, where like, I guess like maybe like six or seven years ago they were, they were just like not good, you know. Also, live like people in their early twenties are normally pretty bad. Yeah, it's weird. It's a, uh, it's a weird thing. Like, yeah, I agree with you there. Especially, I guess lower stakes for sure. Uh, uh, higher stakes, like they're gonna be good for sure because because it's just hard to get that kind of money. Yeah. Or they're like a rich, like trust fund kid. Yeah, for sure, they could be trust fund baby uh, kind of thing. A lot of the foreigners in Vegas, I think, can fall into that category. Um, Yeah, yeah, for sure, agreed. But yeah, I I think what happened is that, like, when and I know we're getting a little bit off topic, but so I'll wrap it up quick. But like, when online left, it was just harder for the younger kids to get money. So they kind of just like, yeah, it, it was just like, how can you get money? Like, it's just like. You have like you're gonna have to, I don't know, play live poker, which has like, you know, it has an expensive barrier. Like it's hard to move up the ranks. You know, you need a thousand dollars to play two five. Like that's hard, man. Like how are you gonna put up a bankroll? Like you don't have a bankroll. You have a thousand bucks to your name. Like yeah. so yeah. Like when online poker left, and you could see this through the through the ages at the world at the WSOP main event. Like the average age has gone up every for the last like couple of years and that's because like younger people just can't find the 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 money to play you know and, and that's happened you know in a smaller in a smaller form just all around like you know it's harder for a 21 year old now to build a 10k bankroll because before they could just play some like $10 tournament online luck box their way into a bankroll you know and that just doesn't happen anymore I personally got, I think, really lucky to build up somewhat of a bankroll playing on carbon poker. Yeah. And that I say I got lucky because I was playing on, like, my birthday on that site didn't match my birthday on my ID. So I wasn't yeah. even sure I'd ever even get the money. I did, but I consider that to be, like, pretty It's lucky, lucky. yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, because they could just, like, not pay you. Or like if you were part of lock poker, like you just it just went down and you never got your money, and so yeah, there was just a lot of like barriers for younger people to get money. Um, so yeah, I agree. Like now, it's like the younger group is just like usually not as good unless they're like you know really grinding the the training sites. Plug so for YTV. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, okay, okay. Let's get to this hand because like. Cool. You know, uh, we got the descriptions, we got the backstories, we got we got everything. I'll also point out that Hero has a backpack. Um, okay, so yeah, he's another. He's trying it just as hard as these guys. 
<laughs> so these are three, three tryhards. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. You know, like I don't know, I don't know. Like I know it's comfort comfortable to take the backpack. I've taken the backpack. I think it's. I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's whatever. I just know that like I've definitely gotten comments about the backpack from recreational players. They they've literally said all you pros wear backpacks. And yeah, I mean, I guess it's true, you know, um, just because like, you know, we bring our charger, we bring the money, we bring everything in the backpack. So maybe that's just something we have to address. You know, maybe just like shifting to the man purse or something might just be a, yeah, it might be just a different move. Yeah. Like we definitely have to do something to change the, that narrative. Like maybe just like, you know, do it old school style. Just bring your money in your pocket. Like, yeah, I, I mean, don't know. Like, I've I yeah. think I've said this on the podcast that like I tried never to bring a backpack when I'm playing cash. I think it, tournaments are different. You know, you're just mm-hmm. there for longer with. Yeah, yeah tournaments different. You're there for the entire day. No one's moving, so like Lots it doesn't of, matter. Everyone, everyone brings a bag to tournaments. Other than yeah. like, yeah, well, never. Mind. So, but yeah, I tried not to ever bring a backpack. To a cash session, if possible. Yeah, I agree. UTG one covers with a bit over two thousand. Arch villain has eleven hundred. Hero has the effective stack of eight ninety. Okay. All right. UTG one raises to twenty five dollars, and it folds around to Hero in the hijack with King Jack offsuit. I think this is like not like as black and white as people say. Like, so I think there's definitely an argument for a lot of things. Like, I think all three options are fine. Like, I think that if you're a player that is not as skilled post, or if you think Under the Gun 1 is, like, exceptionally strong post-flop or whatever, then there's an argument for folding. Like, like, you know, it's not... Like, you're calling 5X, you know? So... It's fine for you to fold if you want to fold for the reasons I said. The other option is calling, which is just the inverse of what we just said. So if you think you're better than him and he's not as good post-flop and you think you're going to be able to maneuver and have some takeaways, then calling is definitely an option. I think three-betting is probably what I used to do back in the day because it's like one of these hands that like doesn't necessarily perform that well through a call so like i would like shift it into a bluffing range but like i think that's becoming like less good so i think that if you want a three bet at some like super small frequency like i wouldn't hate it but i wouldn't necessarily like it wouldn't be like my thing you know what i mean so yeah i think all three options are fine i think it really just depends on like how he's going to play this hand versus this player so of course, since we're talking about this hand, he's definitely going to V pip in some manner. No, he just folds. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we what so what, normally in this kind of spot, I agree with Christian. Like all options are on the table, and so I'm normally looking for something to push me one way or the other. And yeah. you've mentioned two things that I think make folding or calling better than raising here. So what makes folding best? You mentioned that this player is a little bit more aware of position, so it probably has a pretty strong range. So I think folding is like totally justifiable. But you also mentioned that out of position, he often checks the flop when he doesn't have it and will fold by the river. And so if he's like turning a lot of his hands into bluff catchers and 
folding and then also just like giving up a decent amount, then I think you can just probably proceed through a call. Yeah, that's fair. And the more like the people left behind are good, like the more I would lean towards the fold too. So like if button and cutoff are like good players or like you know, the big blinds are a really elite player or something, then, like, you know, folding is perfectly fine. Like, I think one of the things that, like, happens a lot is that when other players think of, like, really good players, they're thinking of people that, like, never, ever fold. You know, like, like they're just, like, in there and they're just, like, battling and, and stuff like that. And that's true, but... Only when we think we have an edge. You know what I mean? So, like, if some elite player opened 5x under the gun, like, and I have King Jack off to you, like, I'm just going to fold. Like, I'm just going to fold because, like, where's the edge coming from? You know what I mean? So, for us to enter the pot here, I think it's important for us to define the edge. Uh, and the edge, like you stated, Jack, is, like, you know, this opponent is just going to, like, play relatively face up. He's going to check when he doesn't have it and etc. So we're going to be able to over-realize our equity. We're going to be able to take it away sometimes. And because of that, we can call. Yeah. And a detail that I hadn't paid attention to was the fact that the player that we are labeling Archvillain is on the button. And I think that kind of pushes us more towards a full. If someone that you respect their game and think they play a good amount of hands, especially from the button, is present in the pot, then I think that just kind of shifts it probably towards a fold. For sure. And I think, like, it's close. Like, King-10 off is, like, a clear fold, I think, versus, like, most opens under the gun for 5x. Like, it's just, like, especially that we don't even have 200 blinds. Like, we have, like, 170 or something, or, like, 180. So, yeah, I mean, I think think folding's okay. Obviously, like, I'm someone that wants to play hands. Like, so if I'm saying folding's okay is because, like, I am legitimately saying like it's a 5x open from an early position player that probably has a strong range you have a pretty good player behind you your hand is not that good so unless you're like very good post flop like you should probably fold um but if you are very good or he's very bad then call yeah well. against a try against like these tryhards though that like so i i, I think three betting is not like the worst worst option because it does knock out the button which is, like, the guy that we think is really good. And, like, this guy that, yeah, he's positionally aware, but, like, he's still going to open ace-jack suited and probably, like, misplay it, you know? So yeah, it, it, it's, like, it's a low-frequency three-bet, but against this guy that's probably, like, too careful, like, he's probably going to give a three-bet, like, way too much credit. You know what I mean? So it's, like, he probably, like, might fold ace-queen off preflop. So... Yeah. If we think that's the player, then like three betting at a small frequency is like perfectly fine. You don't even have to do it that big. Like if he's always gonna play super face up, never gonna float you on the flop, then you could just like make it like sixty five. Let him call and then like C bet a lot, and then he's just gonna overfold. Like he's never gonna he's probably a player that like if it comes like six three deuce and he has ace queen, he's just gonna check fold. You know? So because of that, like I think it's an okay three-bet. Like, I don't think it's great. I would prefer a call, but, like, if he three-bets sometimes, like, I'll be like, fine, whatever. I'm okay with it, too. Like, it's just, like, it's not the best candidate, but, like, fine, you know? I'm in the streets, man. I'm 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 all about the streets. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's all close. Yeah, that's that's the thing. Like, it's all close. Like, all three options all have merit. So it's, like, one of those spots where it only depends on what this player, the hero, thinks 
about the spot. Like, so it's like he literally could just say I folded and I'll be like, okay, good. And he says I call and be like, okay, good. If he says a three bet, I'll be like, oh, okay, fine. You know, like, so it's like, whatever. Like, let's just fucking go. He does give us some comments. He says, uh, online, I would probably three bet or fold this hand, but for some reason, I've been reluctant to three bet as much. That sounds like not the best thing. Well, I think it's like partially fear, man. Like, there's a different sense. Like, it's easier. Like, when you're playing online, for you to just click the button, you know? Like, it's like, first of all, he's probably not playing... I mean, I don't know this guy's, but, like, he's not playing, like, 2-5 online, right? Yeah, so he's probably playing, like, you know, whatever, maybe a dollar online, right? And and it's just way easier for you to click $6 than it is to click, like, $75. So there's that portion, like, it's it's just more money. And then secondly, like, the fact that, like, you're out there, you know? Like, you're... Like, I don't know how he feels uh, physically when he puts in the three bet, you know, for this amount of money. It's like it's something that, like, takes time to build, like, that emotional, like, restraint, right? Because it's it's scary. You're bluffing, right? So, like, you're putting out $75. You, you don't know what's going to happen. Like, if you if he calls and you flop a jack, like, there's a lot of things that can happen where you, you could lose money. And because and that's why you see people's like breathing go crazy or like or like they kind of start shaking when they put money in, like, et cetera. Like there's just emotions that 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 come with this. And this is kind of what he's saying. It's like, yeah, you know, online, like I'm not in front of this person. Like, I don't care. It's kind of like I'm just going to three bet. It's probably also for less money. So he's just like way more comfortable. But live, it's an uncomfortable feeling for him. Like it's more money. You're in front of this person. You're bluffing. So it's it's more scary, and it's just going to take him being more experienced for that to go away. That's the only that's literally the only way it goes away. It's like you just done it a couple times. That now you're just like both the very good and the very bad has happened to you. So like now you're just like immune to that spot. Like you you've you've three bet and you've the guy calls and like you've got stacked, or you three bet and the guy calls and you flopped. You know two jacks and like now you're feeling great like so it, it you know it's gonna it's just gonna take some time for the for the guy and it's fine like it's that's part of it yeah for sure and i think you're probably right about how stakes are affecting this i would say that your your three frequency should just be a lot higher live than it should be online yeah just because people are just like not good at three bet pops out of position like it's just yeah. it's, it's hard tough, to be good it's, it's hard. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I hate getting three bet, dude. Like, but yeah, it's just like you have to defend hands that are uncomfortable and you have to make decisions that are uncomfortable. And like, this just in live, there's just easier spots, you know? Like, so people just usually like forego those spots early. And that's where we can make some money because people do forego those spots, you know? Yeah, the, the field is working in your favor here. People have been conditioned to play against basically nutted three-bet ranges. And so if, yeah. if we're just three-betting a ton and people are playing against us like we have the nuts all the time, it's going to be pretty awesome. Yeah, for sure. And, and you'll know when the shift occurs, like when people start making comments or like when you just kind of have a pulse for the situation where it's just like, okay, like they're just going to start overcalling now. and. <laughs> That's, and, that's and, and you know, like, it, that's, but that's what's amazing about it. It's like they call, they just start. Oh yeah, for sure, like, yeah. for sure, for sure. They're never putting in the four bet, and they're never doing like yeah. That, that's that's the thing, and that's kind of what we talk, talk about. Like I saw for why a lot. It's it's like the that's the actualization the, aspect. 
Yeah, the understanding or even just understanding the environment very well, like having a very good pulse. Like your environment is just a bluff catching environment. Like everyone's bluff catching until they have a really good hand, right? And then no one's like putting in bluffs. Like no one's like doing that. So when a bluff catching environment has enough of you, they don't go from a bluff catching environment to a bluffing environment. They just go to like a really expanded bluff catching environment you know like now they're just like calling you down with like middle pair in spots where like middle pair was getting folded on the turn now middle pair is calling on the river and that's kind of what happens they're just they're just doing what they know which is bluff catching they're just bluff Mm -hmm. catching more they're not they're not four betting or doing anything like that right yeah exactly all right good stuff here good stuff let's uh let's try man i want the listeners to get something man you know, I'm trying. They're getting too much. Yeah, I know. You're gonna have to come to the subsite to get the rest of this stuff. I always. We're just, I, I talk. We're cutting, a, it, we're I cutting talk, it off here. I, we're done. I, I told you I was excited <laughs> for this podcast, and like you know, I want these guys to get something, and I and I want this player with King Jack off to like you know win this pot somehow. I don't know how he's gonna do it yet. The, the, the odds are stacked against us. We're up against a tight range from early position. We have a good player on the button. We have a shit hand. <laughs> Let's see how we pull this one off. So, the flop comes favorably. Jack of Okay, clubs. so the button, the button called also? The button calls, so we're three-handed. Okay, okay. okay, cool. Jack of clubs, two of hearts, five of hearts. Okay, and we have king, jack, off, no heart. We have king, jack, king of clubs, jack of spades. So pot's $82.77 after rake, eight sixty-five in the effective stack. UTG1 slowly taps the table. <laughs> <laughs> I, the funny part is that he says that and I know exactly how that looks. Yeah. <laughs> like when he said that, like I literally got a picture in my mind of exactly how that looked. Yeah, that wasn't a one finger tap. No, no, no. It was the five finger high yeah. up like up, down, up, down. Arm extended. Slow. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Okay. UTG one slowly taps the table, and I think for about five seconds, maybe long for me, he writes, before betting fifty dollars. Seems good. Yeah. Both phones call. Uh, both of them call? Both of them call. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay. That's so, weird. That That's weird. Like, the range that I'm putting under the gun on doesn't like, is a range that, that like usually folds facing bet in a call. You know? So it's yeah. like, if he has, like, nines or something, like, I would think he would fold uh, facing a bet in a call. I think, like, we're still, like, pretty ahead of button a lot. Like often, obviously, you know, he has to peel with like nines and eights and sevens and sixes, maybe not sixes as much, but like, I mean, yeah, sixes too, because it's nine, five, deuce, right? Or nine, five, three. I mean, sorry, sorry. It's Jack, Jack, five, deuce. Jack, deuce, five. Yeah. yeah. So he, he's going to peel with sixes because he has like a backdoor straight draw, especially if he has a heart or whatever. Um, he's probably peeling with like his wheel aces that he did a three bet. He's peeling with like, these guys don't peel like ace queen with the ace of hearts so like that probably like somehow found the muck um, to do one button i mean like uh, yeah like i don't think i don't think like these guys are like doing that um at least not that often so okay like we're, we're we're definitely doing fine against button i think that under the gun is like somewhat where like i'm kind of concerned man like uh, i don't feel great because like i'm not sure like i think his construction is like probably like jack x's and like flush draws and then some hands that like, like 
has a have us beat. You know, like maybe he has like a trap with like kings or something or aces. But yeah, like I, I'm more concerned about under the guns range than buttons range. You know, for natural reasons. Yeah, I think it's fair because it's starting from a much stronger range to begin with. And I will say that I think one thing that two five players aren't necessarily the best at is adjusting to new information. And so I wouldn't be surprised if under the gun one had a hand like eights through tens and was planning to check call. I think shifting yeah, to the fold fair. if you see a bet and a call is probably a pretty good play, especially if you don't think that either of your opponents is particularly wide. That being said, I wouldn't be surprised to see those hands call, feeling that like that's the right play. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah, we'll see. We'll see what develops. But like I'm 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 obviously concerned with under the gun. I do agree with you that people don't adjust to new information. So yeah, if he was planning to call with tens, then like even though it goes back call, like he might still call. So that's fair. But I think we should discount those for sure. Yeah, just because like the the like the read that we have is like he check folds, you know, a lot. So like it feels like a player profile that if given two tens here, he's probably gonna check fold facing bet and a call. Like he doesn't seem like the guy that's like gonna say like, Oh, like you guys are all f- full of it, you know? Yeah, it's a and it's a tough time to make a stand. I do think if he had a hand like ace king, ace queen, maybe king queen with like a backdoor he might take this line. Ace King, you're saying? Like Ace King with the Ace of Hearts or something? Yeah, yeah Ace Queen Clubs. Could, yeah, uh, okay. I think I think live pros like don't don't have the Ace Queen of Clubs in their range that much when they overcall. But sure, he'll have it sometimes. Okay. Still a strong range. Yeah. Turn no, for sure. Definitely definitely an extremely strong range. Turn is the ten of clubs. So bring a second flush on board. And we have the king of clubs. Yeah, so, so it's jack five deuce, two hearts and a club, turn ten of clubs. Okay. So two hundred twenty seven in the pot, eight fifteen in the effective stacks. Under the gun one checks to me. Are you continuing with the bet in this spot? Man, that's close. Yeah, it is close. That's so close. I think that I would rather bet. So the jack and the ten are of different suits, right? No, they're the same suit. Okay, so that's not good. Just because it brings in a little bit more combinations of Jack-10, but, like, not that much or enough. There's just so much equity to deny, man. And, like, there are just some hands that we shake with a bet here. Our hand's not that good. I mean, it's close. Like, it's so close. Like, I don't even want to give, like, a definitive answer because, like, I know I've checked and bet here at different times. I think given these ranges, like, with under the gun being, like, as tight as he is... I mean, I would think I would check. I think I would check, and like, but I'm not loving a check either. Like, I think we bet. The problem with bet is like when we get called by button, we're gonna have a lot of checks on the river, which is fine. But we might have to check call in a spot where like he just only has a really good hand. Arguments for betting. I'm I'm going back and forth a lot, so like, sorry if I'm talking it out. Let me insert myself in. Yeah, I think one nice thing about checking. If we think that the button has like a fairly wide range here, then you would expect that a player like button might be looking for an opportunity to bluff or you know turn his hand into a bluff later in the hand. If we can check and see a bet from button at a high frequency, if we expect that to happen, we're going to get really valuable information based on what under the gun one does. 
If I don't have one, well, if Under the Gun one continues, I think we now have to like release our hand. Yeah, I, I think is, we can just fold. And I think if yeah. if we check, see a bet, and Under the Gun one folds, I think we can probably just raise. Yeah, I think so. Or we could just call. I mean, obviously, just in some way continue. I, I do agree though that like Button's range is the weakest here for sure. It's like he has like the flush draws. He has like the pocket sixes in his range, where like. Unlikely the other two players have that, including us, right? So because of that, like I guess we can check and allow that range to potentially make a mistake. But there is benefit in betting for like denial of these two ranges. Because there's if he has sixes or something like that, he's definitely not putting in another dollar unless a six comes. If he has a flush draw, then it becomes close. The more he bets it, the better it is for us. And the more he checks it, the worse it is for us, especially given that we have to now also contend with another range that has equity from under the gun. At the same time, though, we're kind of at like the bottom of our value. It's one of those spots where like we're kind of reaching to get called by worse in spots where like we could get called by like 10x of hearts. We could get called by hearts in general and then some worse jacks like queen jack, jack nine suited. Yeah, I, I think I like checking. Just because keeping this pot somewhat controlled is kind of good. Um, I think if we bet and get called by either player, we're just going to find like really tricky river spots. Although I think Ace Jack is just like a clear bet. So it's like one of those spots where like King Jack is like that cusp hand where it could go in either bucket. Yeah, I think I'm gonna. I think I'm gonna choose to check just because I think there's value in just like seeing what button does. And then getting that extra information from under the gun. I think that's more of the value of, of the check. It's not because I'm necessarily that afraid that we're behind, even though we are behind a fair portion. I think, though, that like kind of what you said in that when button bets, we get a lot of information. And when button checks, we get to just like keep the pot under control so there's really no bad event that can occur with us checking exactly but there is there is some bad events that can occur with us betting also when we check and button checks now before we make our next decision we get to see both a river card and we get to see what under the gun one decides to do for sure that that's what i'm that that's uh, that's for sure the the best thing that can happen like it, it, the best thing that could happen, of course, is just like button checks, the river's a deuce, and like the under the gun checks, and it's like, oh, okay, great, we have the best hand. But even when button bets, like when under the gun defines his hand, and I think that's like the most interesting part of this hand is that we're not really sure what under the gun's doing, and that's like presents like uh, a screw in all of this. You know, it's like right. it's like, well, does he have traps? Does he have equity? what's going on here kind of a thing and it's it's kind of messing with us because that hand is so like concealed i guess and you know once we check and and if whatever button does it becomes like fairly good uh, for us to know so yeah i agree i like checking the more i talk it out the more i like checking yeah well so here it decides to under gun one checks and here it decides to bet 150 dollars. and i think that's fairly large also that feels large at least so it was well, 25, 25, 75, let's just say roughly 75 pre, 
and then there was a thirty-five dollar bet. Two twenty-seven. Two twenty-seven in the pot. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the thing is that yeah, live plays different though. It's like one fifty. There's a big bet in the live two-five game. And so it's like, yeah, theoretically, it's it's a fine bet. It's just a two-thirds pop kind of bet. But like, it, it the way one hundred and fifty dollars in a live two-five game contorts ranges is weird. Like they're just not calling with Queen Jack. Like it's just like Queen Jack's like hitting them up by a lot of these guys. So yeah, it, it's it's a weird so. spot. I mean, I I don't know. Like maybe I'm wrong, but like I just don't like when one hundred fifty dollars. It's a two flush drop board. I think people get kind of sticky. Okay, that's fair. I mean. I just like the games that I've seen. Like, it's gonna be, it's just gonna be weird. Like, I, I, I just maybe. Like, I just know that like a hundred and fifty dollar bet on a turn in a two five game is like a, a pretty big bet. Like, I it, 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 it's like a big bet where like people are like noticing. Like, it's not like a bet that just gets like lol call. It's like, oh okay, like. They start thinking now, like you know, it's like. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It. I think that I would, if I would have bet, I probably would have bet closer to like a hundred. I think that, yeah, even though you're giving, because like we're really betting for protection. Like we're like, it, I think denial here is more of the reason to bet than than value. Like, what it, are we denying against though for a hundred dollars? No, 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 no. I, I don't. I'm not saying. I'm not saying we're. We're necessarily like, I guess I miss, I miss, I miss wording. Okay. So it's like, I would bet smaller because I think the bet in itself, like what we're trying to accomplish is a two, like two way street, right? It's like, there's two sides to it. It's like one, we're trying to deny something, his like sixes or sevens or whatever. We don't want to give him exactly like completely free equity. Right. And then in another in another kind of way, we're trying to get value from like worse jack X's and flush draws, etc. And if he folds sometimes with some worse flush draws because he doesn't want to put in a hundred bucks, then that's great also. But I think when we increase the size, I think now it's like almost nearing only denial, right? Where it's like I think the hundred fifty dollars, and I could be off. I could be way off. Like I'm not saying. Like I, I am like this is this is fact. I just think that like at a hundred and fifty dollar turn bet, I think people are like folding a lot of the hands that we think we were getting value from. You know, like like Jack Nine suited now is becoming a pretty tough spot. And yeah, like you're saying, like, oh, it's a double flush board. Maybe like I don't know what these guys are thinking. Like this this these guys may probably don't think like that, you know? They just know it's a hundred and fifty dollar bet. And and I think that's when that's kind of why I think I would have chose a smaller size. Maybe I don't pick 150. Maybe I pick 100. Maybe I pick 110. But I know once we start crossing like 150, like people start noticing, and that's kind of my only my only thing. And of course, that's an exploitive mindset. I just I don't know. I just I just I just I guess I have a really good pulse for like how people think about a hundred and fifty dollar bet at two five. I just know it's a big bet. Like it just feels big when I remember those times. You know. I agree that it feels big. At the same time, I don't think much top pair folds. I mean, I think if we bet 150, button calls. and then For sure. But there's only literally one top pair. He, well, I, I have think button could nine. have more jack. He'll have pair. jack nine suited sometimes, but even that is only like two combos. You don't think so it's like, button could have, have jack seven suited, jack eight suited? Uh, I mean, we're pushing it now. Now we're like... 
Maybe. Like, yeah, maybe. But, like, it was also a 5X Open. So it was it was a 5X Open. Like, maybe he has these hands. Like, I don't think we could give it to him, like, all the time. Like, how often does he really have Jack-7? Like, it's hard to know. Yeah, it, it just feels like he doesn't have that much worse Jacks. I guess, like, logically speaking, in terms of, like, what a normal range looks like, and if we're giving this guy credit for being a good player, then he probably just doesn't have Jack-7 and probably has, like, very few Jack-8s. So it's like... He'll have Queen Jack off sometimes. Sometimes he won't. And he'll have Jack Nine suited. We both like checking. I'm not arguing I'm not no. arguing like I think the bet is like I just think like if it's so this is kind of how how I function. If it's a close spot where it's like it's it's a it's a situation where it's either a bet or a check, right? But like there's a lot of arguments for checking, then it usually means the bet should be smaller, right? Like if you're ever gonna bet, like it usually means that the bet is more of a of a smaller size bet because it's mostly for denial or protection or some sort of like weird mergy reason. You know what I mean? So it's like once you start going bigger, I think the bet becomes less good because the functionality of what you were trying to accomplish becomes less viable. It's that's kind of how I think. So it's like. Yeah, maybe we're maybe you're right and that he has jack 7 and things like that. But like I don't want I don't want to give him reason to find good folds. You know what I mean? So it's like I think the bigger we go, the more we give him reason for finding those good folds. And it's like I, if we're going to bet and, and I and I agree, I think it's a check, but if we're going to bet, I think now we have to bet a size that allows him to make mistakes. That's kind of how I'm thinking. But again, I don't think I don't think the bet of 150 is bad. I'm just like, you know, I'm being a little nitpicky because I think it's a check. You know what I mean? I think it's a check too. If I were going to bet, I guess my my main challenges with what you're outlining is that if we bet small, so here's why I think we should check. Basically, this diverges. No, but this this diverges from what you just said. Okay, I think we should check because. What you're suggesting is that we can't necessarily get value from any worse hands when we bet this larger sizing. I don't know if I totally agree I, with that, I, but I, 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 I do I agree I with. I think no, 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 no. I, I, I agree that we will sometimes. Like I, I agree. I, I, I agree that he will call with like sometimes queen jack, sometimes jack nine, and sometimes like ten x of hearts. I, I, a hundred percent agree. He will call with that sometimes. I also think he will fold them sometimes. Like that's kind of that's kind of my my assumption. Like it's a it's a large bet. He has a medium strength hand. He's facing a larger than normal bet for his stake. Like it's an out of it's an out of flow game. It's an out of game flow bet, right? Like it's just not that many bets that come in at two five for one fifty, right? So because of that, I think he might find an out of out, like an exploitative fold. Now mm-hmm. I agree with you. It won't happen all the time. Like, it, it won't happen all the time. He'll call with those hands, too. But I think that when when we have such a – and I'm sorry I cut you off. When we have such a low-ranking hand in, in a spot where we probably should be checking, then I don't want to give more reason for him to make a correct play. That's kind of what I'm saying. But I agree with you in that he will not always fold. Like, it, that's not a fact. Like, it's just – I think he'll fold sometimes. And that, that – that makes a bet way less good in a spot that we should have already checked. Right. 
I'm pointing okay. out that I think we have divergent intuitions about at what frequency these players will fold these types of hands. I think the yeah, main think reason probably- not to bet 150 is because you're just not doing that well against these two ranges. I think that's where the big shift in thinking should occur for this player who wrote this uh, hand into us is that it's not, it's not so much that we think that this 10 is particularly bad for your range or for your hand, although the fact that Jack-10 is now two-pair isn't great. It's more so the fact that under the gun one called in the first place, which makes us think that like your hand just doesn't have as much equity as we thought. For sure. That's and, definitely... That, that's, I think that's the biggest point, too. Yeah, that's, but yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway. I would Basically, I think you're ordering... We both have check one. I would say 150 is better than 100 because I think for 100, you don't deny anything. And for 150, you do actually, I think, get some draws to fold which is nice yeah i mean i i can i can be on board with like i could be on board i could definitely be convinced that 150 is is better and i think that the only reason i'm really more advocating for like a smaller size is only because of the way the game plays and yeah that's really the the only reason if it was like a game that like they're just like gonna call you with a lot worse like that's where I think we're disagreeing. Is that I think like when we put out 150, when they can they they funnel really quickly. I just think I think people play differently against that bet on such a draw heavy board. Yeah, that's fair. That's basically that's my, my only point. Yeah, that's fair for sure. So we bet 150. Button thinks a bit and calls, and under the gun one shakes his head and folds. <laughs> wow. So he I probably guess, just has like, he probably just had like ace queen. He had ace, yeah, ace king, ace queen, or nines. It was one of those. Three. Yeah, yeah. Button calls under the gun folds. That's one of the better events that can occur. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think we probably have the best hand. It'd be pretty hard for yeah, us not often. to, honestly. Uh, often we have the best hand for sure. Uh, the river is the four of spades. Okay. In the final board, they... jack of clubs, two of hearts, five of hearts, ten of clubs, four of spades. Yeah, I mean, this is an easy check. You're saying it's an easy check because you think. I mean, this I just player think, like, just has too many draws that he's going to want to bluff. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like, like I think he he he's way more likely to have a draw than have a jack with us. Just, just almost combinatorically, like he, he just has to have more of a draw, I guess. Than like he'll have like some king queens. He'll have like clubs. He'll have like like hearts. Like. Like we could start naming them, but like the like he's way less more likely to have that than he is to have like a jack with us that's willing to call a big river bet, you know. I guess even his jacks that like that like do land here probably are like worse jacks. Sometimes he'll have ace jack, but like that's yeah. Like but when we bet, like he'll call with ace jack, so we lose that, right? And then like sometimes he'll fold. Like some other hands, like like the ten, you know that that he turned the flush draw with, even though like that sucks because like, you know he's gonna check that even though if we bet unless it's ace ten, yeah I think it's a, I I just think like it's more likely that he has like a draw than he has a jack that's willing to call and then on top of that like some of the jacks beat us, like he'll have ace jack that we lose a bet to and he might like like live pros like they just like he might check a jack if it checks to him on the river yeah you know like. Like, somehow, like, they do. You know, I don't know how. Like, it's a clear bet, but, like, they do. They just, like, don't want to put out 300 bucks. you know? So, like, I would just lean towards the check. 
I think it's either a check or like a big bet, but like I don't know. I would be like way more likely to bet like really large if I had like a turn set or something. Yeah, than I, I am like a jack. You know? I I actually think this is a I like checking because I think people don't recognize that bluffs don't get through here very much. I think against a slightly more sophisticated player, I would just bet like half pot because I think we have the best hand so much and. Basically, against a player I thought was in tune enough to realize that, like, bluffs don't get through here. And how about a big bet now? Like, that's the funny part about this game. Like, that's, like, when I said, like, a big bet, like, <laughs> half pot is, like, 500 bucks. Well, I'm just, I'm speaking in terms of, like, what my sizes are. Yeah, like, yeah, for sure. I, I'm saying, I, get, I agree with you. I'm yeah. just saying, like, half pot right now is, like, what, like, two 250 or or something like that? Like... That's not that like, much when the river the turn like once he calls the turn bet of 150 250 doesn't look like crazy. No, I agree, but I'm just saying like it, it's like I I guess like how much whatever, you, like it, it's not it's not a big deal. I just think that like yeah, I agree 250 is probably I, I it's a it, <laughs> I just want to play 25 again and just sit there and see how many $250 river bets I see. Like yeah. it's probably not with one pair. Like it's just like it doesn't exist, man. Based so on funny. based on villain description, though, we already said that villain has like turned misdraws into a bluff in spots that like hero thought wasn't very yeah. Wise. For sure, that's why so I like totally that, check. That's, totally yeah, check. that's why I like checking. I like checking over over betting significantly, but I would bet if we had not a jack. Like, so if we had another different kind of value. Like, like somehow we have queens. Like queens is a, queens is a logical hand here. Like under the gun opens, who we think is like a very value heavy profile that's probably going to overfold to to three bets. So we flat, and now we land in this spot. Like I think queens becomes like a large river bet because it's just like it functions. I think better that way, where it's like queens on the river could probably go like four hundred, you know. And and understand that he has like now he has king jacks and ace jacks that like have to call you know because all the draws missed. But when we have king jack ourselves, I think it becomes more of like he has less jacks, so now it becomes like a situation where we have to check more uh, and try to get those bluffs from like the draws. Yeah. So so we check and okay. Archvillain thinks for a few seconds and throws out three hundred and ten dollars. Hmm. I mean, I'm just gonna call. I guess, like, whatever. Yeah, I would, I would call. <laughs> like, you. I'm not, I'm not gonna check to fold. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we should. You should call. Unfortunately, we get shown Ace Three of Hearts for the rivered straight. I mean, oh no, 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 sorry, sorry. We get shown Ace Three of Diamonds. Ace Three of Diamonds. <laughs> yeah. Weird. It's really weird. I mean, I guess our our turn bet now prints. Yeah, I, well, mean, I, he's actually, calling, I think he probably miswrote that. Art, like, no, no, he 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 said like he wrote a lot about this that I'm not reading, and it was it's very clear that he's he it's Ace Three of Diamonds. He okay, wrote, he so, flipped up he Ace of like, Diamonds, correct? Well, not he wrote, I want to know what he wrote. Like like <laughs> this freaking idiot with Ace Three of Diamonds. Like how the how in the world does he have Ace Three of Diamonds? Like that's not even like a real hand. Like like that's probably I, I could I'm just like trying to picture what you know what Hero's writing right now. It's much yeah. I mean, obviously this is ridiculous, and for like Hero to think that this guy's a good player is like stop. Like this yeah, is like. Not. 
Like he's he like I just see this one hand and there is just like no way you can convince me that this guy is like good. What he is is what he is. This is actually important to talk about. What he is is that he's super sticky and in in games where people don't like barreling and don't like bluffing, he makes money. Right? Like he makes money cuz you can't move him off his equity and people are under double barreling, under triple barreling, under three betting. So he's just like realizing all equity and he's probably bluffing in spots where like people don't want to bluff like they're just scared, you know? So this kind of player even though he's not good, he like thrives in these environments where like the days he runs good is not that he like ran good, it's that like people didn't bet and like <laughs> and and he just get, he gets there cuz like they check and he just like starts betting. And then people try to like either bluff catch and he gets there or they just fold, you know? So he's just like a nuisance in in these kind of environments where people are just like have way too little aggression. And and yeah, I mean <laughs> I'm sure this guy's plan was like very evil. Like he, his plan was like if a heart comes, if a club comes, he was going to try to take this away. Yeah, this is part of why I think we should consider check raising the turn. Like I, I wouldn't have even thought that he necessarily. Actually, that's not true. I would not have expected this hand to fold the flop, and so like he has these kinds of hands on the turn. And yeah, I, I think some people just get antsy and start just bluffing. Yeah, it's, yeah, for sure. I agree. I, I think I agree on Jack Five Deuce. He's peeling his wheel aces that he did in three. But I think I mentioned that. But yeah, on the turn, I would I would have thought he would have released, but he didn't. So the one fifty oh, yeah. bet is better than the hundred bet for sure. For sure now. Like, that's not even close. Like, I am on the side that we should be almost betting pot. Like, I'm just like, like, this guy is peeling everything. Like, I do want to talk some things. Like, so there's a couple of things I think we could take away from this kind of a hand. And it's that, you know, we, like, both you and I probably gave under the gun too much credit. Like, like these guys are just, like, not checking queens. You know, like... Like, yeah. They're just like they're not checking good maybe hands. aces with the ace of hearts, you know. Maybe, maybe, but like this guy is so scared that like he's just gonna bet because like there's no way he's going to check and like let someone get there. Like like the kind of guy that like is over check folding is not the kind of guy that's gonna like balance that with like having nut hands. He's the kind of guy that's just, like, scared to play a big pot, so he's just going to, like, bet aces on the flop and want to take it down right there, you know? And if you and if you call that bet and that heart doesn't come on the turn or the, or if it's not a Broadway card on the turn, he's bombing, you know? Like, that's, that's the kind of guy that, like, that's the kind of guy under the gun is. Like, he's just going to, if he has aces, it's going 25, two calls, jack five dudes, 60. Oh, you called? The turn's a nine? 200 like like, that's it like it's it's simple like so i think that like if we could discount under the gun having good hands and he just like always has like what we think he had you know like ace queen ace king like always then yeah then i kind of like betting more and against that profile that 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 
that we end up like because we're, we're you know the session's not over anymore like we're, we're gonna keep playing so it's like now we know okay like that under the guy under the gun dude is like not balanced like and this guy is just like a looney tune but i kind of like what you're saying in that check raising introducing more turn check raises when he has like a ton of peels on the flop is like really cool so i think against that player like i think we would be splitting where like we have to have like both check raises and check calls on the on the turn and it's like on this board i definitely do like the check raise because it's just it's so hard for him to have value you know right and then we also get bailed out occasionally by another gun one we, we also what? get bailed out occasionally by another gun one. Oh yeah yeah for sure like when well, i think i think we mostly get bailed out by another gun one when he has tens or jack 10. like or jack 10 yeah for sure like but like i don't, I don't does he check man, I that just, yeah, I, don't know. I just don't give these guys credit for ever being balanced like like they're just like never checking. Like they're just like. But some people, some people. But don't I agree. Like this, if like, he's no if he's some... a scared like if he's a scared like, nah. you know, yeah. If he's scared, then he might check. You know, he's but, not good. I agree. He's yeah. not checking. I, I I'm just saying like the amount of good poker I see <laughs> at two five is never like like they're not checking aces. <laughs> no fucking way. I agree that it's a good check, but they're just not doing it. You know, so I like, actually don't normally just check aces on this board. I actually like just making it too big because I think people just like because people under bluff. Like they, under, not they take, want under yeah. bluff, and two, they are sort of insensitive to sizing with their calling range. Sure. Anyway. So just yeah, like, on this kind of board, like if they have two tens, they're just calling a bet. Like no if matter I'm playing what the against bet. like an older guy, and I have aces on like three, three, four, <laughs> I'm just gonna bomb it. Yeah, I agree for sure, for sure. And those are those are the things that like, you know, in this episode, like we talked a lot about. Or check raise big if you're out of position. Yeah, like anyway. we like you know, you and I were talking about things that are like not only theory. You know, it's like the application of the spot in game versus a two five East Coast scenario, right? So it's like yeah, like your read is like you would have bet. Like, both our read was to check the turn. But I think, like, now it's, like, you know, you see both sides. Like, it's, like, okay, regardless if they agreed with you or me initially, now I'm definitely more on your side of, like, 150. I think understanding the purpose of the bet and what the bet does to the environment that you're in is important. And even finding spots to check raise there, that's definitely not, like, a PO play like peels never check raising king jack but like (laughs) when yeah like but when you have an environment that is built around under the gun not being balanced with his checks and a profile that is heavily weighted towards draws but then also might now over bet them on turn not over bet as in size but over over frequency bet then it becomes a spot where it's just like a really cool check raise spot. And it becomes almost like a really cool check raise check spot, right? Because it's oh, like yeah. if we check raise any calls, like he just has a draw. And when the river breaks off, you just snap check and then like wait for the money to come to your stack because whatever he does, he loses. So or at least often, you know, when it breaks. So yeah, that's kind of 
that's really the thing about this hand, I think. I think the thing about this hand is the more under the gun has, like, not balance, the more we're able to just target the button in an exploitative manner, whether it's by betting large how how the player did or by introducing some sort of a check raise or, or, or however we want to do it. Like, it, it could be a spot where, like, you check call check correctly or, or you... Or whatever, like whatever the thing is that we think is going to maximize maximum exploit the button, then then we do it, and that kind of ties into preflop too, right? It's like if we have so many questions about how everyone's playing in this spot enough that like we might have to like write in to like Jack, then like we might just be better off holding. Like, it's one of those like spots no. where like no I, I'm 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 semi joking but like you should always write you know like the, we for you to for you to put in five blinds with King Jack versus an under the gun one like you have to have really good in tune and like you have to be pretty in tune to the spot man like you know Button's gonna enter the pot at a high frequency you're up against a pretty tight range and if you don't know how he's constructing post flop then it's gonna be really tough and. Even us, like, working it out, talking, you know, there was a certain moments where we're like, well, I don't really know what he's doing. And so it's like, but when we're playing, I think it's a spot where we're like, okay, he's checking, like, what does that check mean? And it's like, you know, for you and I, it almost felt like, oh, well, we just assumed that check was, like, protected. But, like, the more we talk about it, it's like, come on, man, that guy never has a good hand. Like, he's just like he's never checking good hands. So it's like once we kind of like dumb it down a little bit to where we understand that like this player profile is probably like super weighted towards like weak hands and never balanced, then we could just maximum exploit button. And and it's like, I think that's kind of the way to approach the hand, you know? Yeah. Um, But like it becomes fuzzy when we start giving people too much credit. And I feel like that happens to me a lot, where it's like, oh, I, like, you know, he's probably, like, you know, when both of us, we were like, oh, when he checks here, like, what, like, you know, we, he has an undefined range. And the truth is, like, he doesn't. He just has shit. Like, <laughs> like he just. Yeah. Um, that's my hot take. No, I think we, we got away from, because that was, that was, like, our reason for calling in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think that was a mistake by both of us, too get away from that it's funny i was i was about to say this is why you never fucking fold king jack in a 2-5 game <laughs> no no you can't fold you can't like <laughs> you can't fold but at the same time like you know we almost forget how much like better than the field we are it's like no, it's true you know what i'm saying like for you to v pip king jack there like you have to be better than the field or else you're losing money because that's a 5x open from perceivably a strong range and a sticky player behind. Yeah, so you have to either be over-bluffing or getting thin value. For sure. Pre- preferably both. Yeah, <laughs> Which for is sure. not easy to do. No, it's not. That, that's the tough part. It, it's, it's, it's being capable of both. And it, yeah, it, that's what I mean. It's just like, it, it's... That's the that's almost the struggle with coaching, right? It's like 
It's like, yeah, you'll see me V-pip King Jack there. And that doesn't mean that everyone's capable of V-pipping King Jack. And that doesn't also mean you're a bad poker player. It just means that for you to V-pip King Jack, you have to be able to do what you said. You have to be able to bluff this guy and be good enough to understand when his range is contorted in such a way where you could get thin value. And it's like in spots where like you have like a jack on like a board or or like a king on like a board where it's like king queen xx whatever or, or like a turn king or whatever like you know you know what i'm saying it's and that's not that doesn't always come through that comes through almost a combination of like like learning right off table but also playing because it's one of those spots where like if you told me you know we're playing in like a 10 20 game and this guy checks it's like okay well his checks are probably protected and that changes everything, right? But now in a 2-5 game at Parks, where this guy checks and he's like a scared bird, it's like, well, he just has ace-king. Like, he just has ace-king, ace-queen, or like, whatever. And I'll just, like, n- like for him to show me aces, I would be shocked. I would feel like I got unlucky. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So it, it, it's kind of that game. And, and I think that's where we, like, the game's shifting in such a way where, like, exploitation is back you know like like it went away for a while and but now it's back like it, it's back in full force like charlie carroll yesterday was like you know fuck gto and like all this shit and it's like and it's true like it's just exploitation is back and it's one of those things where it's like if you know how to exploit your opponents to the maximum you're gonna make the most money but i think that that's also a skill Right. Like learning to exploit is a skill. You have to be very good at profiling players. You have to be very good at taking lines that allow for for the exploitation to occur. You have to be very good at assumptions. You have to be very good at ranging. And these all these things come, you know, partially off the table and partially on the table. Yeah. Well said. (laughs) We have a lot here. Uh, This is probably worth a second listen for most of you, I would imagine. Um, I don't know, man. I fucking uh, I, I I feel shitty that I said I would have bet a hundred because now this guy, <laughs> like, like, if I was sitting there, I would be like, oh, this guy's full of it. Like, watch this. Check. <laughs> he's gonna, then he's gonna bet his hundred dollars, and then the guy's gonna call, and now I'm like, eh, these guys are all full of shit, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I knew that he had. I knew the results, and so it seemed more absurd to me than it probably should have, but. I do think people are like pretty sticky on these two flush trap boards. Like you pro no, I mean, and the thing is, like, it's tough. Like, it that's it's a challenge, and and it's like I'm not always gonna get it right. Like, I'm listening to a hand. I don't know how this guy. Like, I don't know this guy's frequencies. Like, I don't know anything. I'm just saying. I'm just going by by whatever. But like, you know, the second we see him have ace three through the turn, this guy's dead. Like, there's no way he can win because like now. We just understand he's just, like, taking way too many hands through to the river. And we probably, like, you know, this guy probably did see that. He just classified that incorrectly as running well, you know? You don't think like, he was floating because we, he could beat our bluffs? No, but I'm saying, I'm like, in the, descri- <laughs> in, yeah, in the description that Hero put, he said, like, oh, he's been running really well. I, I was like, actually going to say something about that right then. It was like... I think a lot of times it's really 
The hardest time to understand like how someone plays is when they're running good. For sure, for sure, because he made a street, and it's like now it's like oh he's running well. No, that was a shit call. Like like those, and you know it's hard to know, and especially in an environment like like Parks Two Five or or any environment where a sticky player thrives. Like those are the hardest environments to understand if they're playing well or not because their exploit is is exploiting the field. What they do, quote unquote, poorly actually works here so it's like yeah he's taking too many hands to the river but these guys are probably under c betting under double barreling not bluff catching correctly like etc etc and the list goes on and that his his mistakes are forgiven and sometimes rewarded in this environment and that's like it's tough to know at that point it's tough to know for an untrained eye if he's playing good or not you know what I mean? Well, the first assumption should generally be they're not playing good. <laughs> for sure. For sure. It, it's like uh, I tell people that all the time, man. Like, like, no, like it's hard to find. And I'm not saying they're not there because they're there for different reasons. Right. There's people that play one, two or two, five because they just don't have the money, you know, and they have to play. Like I, that, I was there. Like I was there. But it's harder. Like. The, the likelihood is that they're not good, and that's why they're not playing bigger. But, yeah, there'll be some some sprinklings of, like, of of players that are there because they're either they're no bigger games or they just don't have the money to play bigger. But the majority are just there because they're not good. You know what I mean? Like, if if they were really good, they would just, like, crush and, and like, be moving up or, like, or doing something to, like, be in another environment. Right, and I think... We could look at the way this guy is dressed and probably presume that he has, like, a decent amount of money. For sure. If, so, like, somebody that has, like, a wine sweater is, like, a wine connoisseur. Like, yeah, those aren't glasses. people that are poor. Yeah, yeah those, aren't, those aren't poor people. Like, people that, that are wine connoisseurs usually have a little bit of spare money. Especially if he's playing all the hands. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, man. Well, you and Bricky right. have, uh, have worn me out. This is two and a half hours of podcasting for me. But thank you guys. Talks a lot, though. 